0: worshiping with us online. We're always glad to have you as well. I don't know if you know it or not, but August is disgruntled month. People are disgruntled. you know why? Because it's hot in August. It's hot. And because they've had to go back to work and go back to school after summer vacation, and they really didn't want to do that until after Labor Day, and they're bitter about it. So they're upset. Plus, it's not football season yet. It's kind of that month of limbo. You know what I'm saying? And so people are ticked off about it. So I always try to preach something to help us out in August, and I'm going to be preaching a series on prayer. We're going to be emphasizing 20 21 days of prayer, you can come and participate in that. Now, here's the way this works at 6 a.m., each day, Monday through Friday, and Saturday at 9, we meet here in this room, and we have a simulcast with Church of the Highlands in Birmingham. It's really well done. You get to hear them, their band play. You get to hear their speakers, Then we have some time of prayer. There's a little booklet we use. There's a guide for us to follow. It's really a neat hour that we spend together, and so we've been doing this for a long time in August and in January. This year, we're adding something new. You can also do it at 6 p.m., so you can come back at 6 p.m. And do it at that time If 6 a.m. is too early for you You can actually also do it online if you want to if you, But you have to do it that day That day those are available And then the next day that, that first day won't be available Okay So I hope you'll participate in it It's going to be good And I'm going to be preaching a series on prayer this month Now I want to start out by telling about a preacher <clears throat> This preacher lived alone and he was lonely, and so he went to the pet store, and he bought a parrot to keep him company. The only problem was that the previous owner of the parrot was a sailor, and the parrot learned some words that he really shouldn't have, and it was embarrassing to the pastor. So one night, he had some friends over from the church, and they had a small group together, and as they were sitting there together in conversation, the parrot let out a string of obscenities. One lady in the group spoke up, and she said, Pastor, I I I can help you with your problem. She said, what you need to do is you need to bring your parrot over to my house and let your parrot spend time with my parrot. My parrot is the most religious parrot that you've ever seen. She, All she knows how to say is, let us pray. Let us pray. So the preacher took his parrot over to the lady's house. And sure enough, they walked in and the preacher's parrot spoke up and said, hey, baby, give me a kiss. To which the lady's parent responded, Hallelujah, my prayers have been answered. Now, before you laugh too much, let me ask you a question. Who teaches you to pray? Because you get the wrong person to teach you, you could be in trouble, couldn't you? And so one day, Jesus was with his disciples, and the inner circle of them got together, and they'd prayed all their lives. They'd known how to pray. They'd been taught by their parents. They'd been taught by religious leaders. They had prayed some of the Psalms. They knew what to pray. But when they listened to Jesus pray, and they heard his prayers, there was something special about his prayers his prayers were directly to God he wasn't saying something that he'd memorized as a child like they did but rather he had some grown-up prayers that he was offering when he prayed it was special it was intimate it was less scripted it was more passionate it was intense and so when they heard that they said okay we're not doing it right will you teach us how to pray And they knew there was a disconnect in their prayer life, and they wanted something different. So they asked the question in Luke, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, one of the first things Jesus did, instead of answering and saying, well, here's what you should do, he does this sometimes. He says, well, let me tell you this. Here's what you should not do in prayer, and then I'm going to tell you what you should do in prayer, okay? So in Matthew, it says, and when you pray, Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. In other words, some of the religious leaders of the day, they had memorized so much scripture. They knew all the law. They were people who everybody admired. And they stood up and they prayed these long, flowery prayers. And everybody looked up to them and admired them. And it really intimidated everybody else. And they thought, well, I can't pray like that person, so maybe I just shouldn't pray. He said, don't try to be like them. Don't worry about that. That's not important to me. He says, what I I see in them is a pretender. I see somebody who looks good on the outside, but it's not genuine for them on the inside. I'd much rather you just pray an open, honest prayer. I'd much rather you just be direct and tell me how you feel. You can even tell me if you're upset. It's okay. You can pray and talk to me about anything. You see, because Jesus is not impressed with pretenders. Okay? He wants people who are genuine and real. He goes on and he says, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. In other words, what he's saying is when they stand up and they are seen and people hear them, what they're doing is they're getting their reward because everybody comes up to them after it's over and tells them what a good job they did, pats them on the back, and lets them know how great they are. He said, but listen. That's not important. And he said, what you're looking for is a relationship with God whereby your prayer life is rewarded by the answers that you receive. God hears your prayer. He sees your genuine spirit, your authenticity, and he wants to respond to that. He's not looking for perfect, scripted public prayers from inauthentic people. He's just looking for folks to be real with him. And then he goes on, he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's amazing. If you look at that, what Jesus is saying is when you go off by yourself, when you get away where you won't be distracted, you go in a room, shut the door, it's private, you can focus on your prayer life, not only does God see it, Not only does God hear it, but that's the kind of prayer he's looking for. That's what he wants us to do. That's what he's asking us to do. And when he does that, he said, and he will reward us. When we pray in secret, he will reward us for that. And so he says, I want you to pray to your heavenly father who is unseen, and I want you to know he will see you. I want you to find a place where you can get alone by yourself and have a private conversation. I want you to get a place And you can be honest and real, and you can tell Him whatever you want to tell Him. I want you to find a place that's private, that you're not distracted. I want you to pour your heart out to God. I want you to be in that secret place where He can reward you. And it's amazing, according to Jesus, God sees us praying alone with the door closed, and secret prayer according to Jesus is rewarded. Now, remember at the beginning, we were talking about these religious folks who prayed publicly, and they got their reward because every Everybody saw them. They were seen by the public. But he says, we know you're seen by your Father when you pray privately. What if what he's saying is true? I mean, what if we knew when we prayed that not only God would see us, but he would hear us, and he would answer our prayers? Would that make a difference in the way that you prayed? Would you have confidence when you went to God? That's what Jesus is saying. And then he goes on and he gives another not to. This is not what you're supposed to do. He says, and when you pray don't keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words in other words don't be repetitious don't just think I got to pray I got to make sure I pray for a long time everybody be impressed if I pray for a long time so I'm just going to ramble and stumble and go on through and and try to make it impressive to other people he said that doesn't impress God don't worry he said about looking for the right words I don't know about you but doesn't that make you feel better makes me feel better I mean, you know, I don't have to be a wordsmith to pray. I can just talk to God just like I talk to anybody else, and he'll talk to me. In fact, on another occasion, Jesus tells a parable. In this parable, he's really setting them up because everybody there connected to what he was saying. He said in this parable, he said there was a Pharisee and there was a tax collector who went in to pray. He said the Pharisee stood up, and he's the religious leader, and everybody's used to seeing him up in front of everybody. And he started praying, and he had prayed a very eloquent prayer, and it was impressive, and everybody there, well, I wish I had thought of that. And he did such a good job with it. But then Jesus used a tax collector. Isn't it amazing that Jesus takes somebody that everybody hates and makes him the hero? I mean, everybody hated tax collectors because they didn't just take enough tax to pay to the Roman government, but they took tax just because they could line their pocket with it. They could just come to you and they could say, hey, this month you got to pay this much, and, and you couldn't do anything about it. You just had to pay it. And so they really hated tax collectors because they were dishonest, and they were just becoming wealthy off of the people. And he said, but this tax collector, when he went in to pray, the Pharisee stood up, he made a big deal out of his prayer, but it says this, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, the people in the crowd that day said, well, that really wasn't an Academy Award-winning prayer, okay? I mean, it wasn't that impressive. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Is that really even a prayer? And Jesus said, that's exactly what I want to hear. That's a real prayer. That's gen- this is somebody who's pleading with God. This is somebody who's talking to him and telling, hey, this is what's on my heart. You've put it on. I'm going to tell you how I feel. And Jesus said, that's the way you ought to pray because what he's saying is, and I want you to catch this, Don't worry so much about the words. Isn't that a comforting thought? I mean, that just makes me feel so much better. I'm encouraged that I can pray, and it's okay. God will hear my prayer. It's not just what I say, but it's that I pray. That's what he's looking for, okay? And then Jesus goes on in Matthew 6, and it says, Do not be like them the Pharisees, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And what they're saying is you don't have to go on and on and on telling about the issue. You know, you can tell God what your problem is, but but he already knows it anyway. And then he says this, this then is how you should pray. Now he's told them what not to do. Now he's telling them what to do. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, I want you to catch this. He says, when you start praying, first thing you need to do is recognize God. Lord, I recognize you're here with us today. I'm so grateful that we can approach the throne and we can do it because Jesus made it possible. I recognize you as the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. You're the one true God. You're the only God. There is no one like you. There's nobody else that you're equal. There's nobody else that is on, on, on arrival to you. You are the creator and we are the created. And so we get in a posture where we can realize that, You are an infinite God, but you are intimate with us. I mean, what a blessing that is that God looks at us in that way. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. Hey, we're going to recognize who God is before we even get started with the prayer. And then we know that we're heard and we know that we're known. What a privilege it is for us to talk to God. I mean, we want God to know us and hear us, don't we? And, and when he acknowledges that, what a blessing that is. And, and if we're honest, it's difficult for us to pray that kind of prayer in traffic. Especially in Panama City Beach. You know what? When I first moved here, you know what they told me? They said when the light turns green and it's your turn to go, you need to count one, two, three before you pull out because somebody's going to knock you into the middle of next week. Because what happens is folks come down here on vacation and they just take a vacation while they're driving too. And they do whatever they want to. I'm on vacation. I'm in Florida. The laws don't apply to me. And they just do whatever they and so they pull out right in front of you and then go down here and turn off right as soon as they pulled out in front of you. And they're totally oblivious that anything's happened. They're thinking to themselves, I'm old and I've made Let's see if you can, okay? I mean, I drive through the Home Depot parking lot every day to come to work. And let me tell you, that's a religious experience because there's people in the Home Depot park, something happens when they get in that parking lot and they forget that they have a blinker on their steering wheel. They can turn it on because they're going to turn it. I always turn here at this time. You should know that by now. And so you just need to watch out for me. The other thing that they will do is they would just pull right out in front of you. They won't even look. They won't even slow down. They would just come come out in front of you, and like, okay, it's my turn now, zippity-doo-dah, zippity a, and you could knock them into the middle of next week, but you can't do that. I'm not bitter, I'm moving on. But you know why? I do pray in traffic. I just pray, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me not to hurt these people. Help me just to let this go in Jesus' name. Help me to move on. Help me just to think about something, a nice, peaceful, quiet thought, something. Lord, help me right now. I just got to pause a minute. I'm just, I'm really struggling with these folks. But you know what he's saying is, get off by yourself where it's private. Get off where you won't be distracted by somebody else. Do that in a place and time where you can grow. And just let the pressures and all the responsibilities of the day, just let them float away as you just get close to God and you're blessed by him and then you address God. Now, here's what happens if we don't recognize God when we go to him, then we begin to treat God like a good luck charm. We just go to God, and we say, okay, this is just a reflex. This is just luck. Uh, Before a presentation or before a test, here's my list, list God. I got to go. got to run. Bye. And we just give it to him. we treat him like he's some kind of cosmic vending machine, okay? And we're just using him, and we're not really having a relationship. So let's back up just a minute. Let's do a quick recap. The first thing we learned is don't pray, show off prayers. Say that to the person next to you. Don't pray, show off prayers, okay? Second thing is, is, don't just keep repeating the same thing over and over again. Tell them that. Don't just keep repeating the same thing over and over again, Okay? We're going to pray to God. We're going to address God as Father. We're going to recognize who he is, and then what's next? Then he goes on, and he says this, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, listen, when you first start doing this, and you haven't done it before, and you're new at this, here's what you're saying, your kingdom and your will. Wait a minute. Hold, hold on just a minute. What about my kingdom? What about my will? What about my family and my job or my lack of a job? What about my health? What about my fear? What about my bills? What about my daughter who's not talking to me? I mean, what about me, right? Because we're not not knowing how to do this, right? To which Jesus just smiles and says, For your father knows what you need before you even ask him. He already knows what you need before you ask Him. So you need to put Him first. You don't need to be asking Him the things that you want to talk about about you. So when we pause and think about who it is that we're addressing, we're saying, you first, your agenda first, your kingdom come, my kingdom can wait. And then what? Jesus was talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and He said, seek first the kingdom of God. That's what he's talking about. He's saying you put God first. If you do that, everything else in your life will fall into place. But you got to make him a priority. The purpose of prayer is to surrender our will not to impose it. We're going to surrender to God. We're not going to try to control God. Prayer is not about moving God. It's about being moved by God. It's not about convincing God to do our bidding. It's about allowing him to get us to the place where we are willing to do his will. That's what prayer is really all about. And the very thing that we find Jesus wrestling about in the garden of Gethsemane when he prayed, he's saying, Lord, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. If there's any way, there's nothing about me that really wants to do this, but if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. Not my will, but your will be done. And here's the interesting thing. Do you know what hung in the balance when Jesus was praying that prayer? When he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he finally says, Not my will, but your will be done. You know what's hanging in the balance? You are, and I am, and we are, and the whole world is. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and he said, the first thing you gotta do, the first thing you gotta do, you got to submit to the Father. And being a little personal, he says, you got to be in a posture of submission. You ever pray on your knees? You ever get down on your knees and pray? I prayed prayers on my knees. You know, Steve went and built me a little altar, and I can pray there, and I can kneel down. And I've got a picture of God touching a man who's blind and healing him right above that. And I can pray. Well, I've started having trouble with my hip. I went to the doctor, and I said, I'm having trouble with my left leg. It's not working right. And he said, well, uh, let me check you out. And he gave me these x-rays, and he said, okay, here's what your problem is. You have arthritis in your left hip. I said, what caused that? He said, old age. I said, so not only have I got arthritis, but you want to insult me too. I said, well, I've checked and this hip's the same age as this one and it works just fine. I said, what causes arthritis in your hip? I'm too young for that. He said, trauma. I said, you mean like football? He said, maybe. I said, oh, Okay. What do I do about that? Well, he sent me to this specialist. Now, there's a guy in Gulf Breeze, and he's a doctor, Dr. May. He lives in Shalimar. He's a retired military guy. He's young. And he's five stars, no lawsuits. And all he does is hip replacements, okay? And he's at the Andrews Clinic in Gulf Breeze. So I went to see him. And I go over there, and he says, now, you can get a shot, a steroid shot, every three months, and then that'll help you. And as long as it's helping you, that's what we'll do. So guess what I do? I go over there every three months, and he gives me a shot, and then I'm able to dry my left foot for a little while after that, and then I have to go back. Well, there's two guys in the church, and one of them's my age, and one of them's a little younger than me, and both of them have been to this guy. Both of them have had hip replacements, okay, and they both did great. You know, it's outpatient. It's outpatient surgery. Yeah, you just go in. They make a little incision. They go and replace your hip. Then you go to lunch. I guess I don't know. It's just the way it works out. And so they both had it and they did real well. But then I'm studying. I'm looking online. I'm reading stuff because I'm I'm a little leery about stuff because you know I, I don't want to be allergic to anything. Okay, because the, some people they're allergic to the titanium to the metal that they. Well, what do they? What are you going to do if you're allergic to it? They put it in. Now you're allergic to it. I mean. I don't know what that means. You just go around scratching all. I don't know what that means, okay? But I can't imagine you know that being a good thing, right? And so I'm reading about it because you know I didn't know I was allergic to Ozempic until I took it that first time, and it almost killed me. So I'm a little hesitant just to go jump right in and do that stuff. Both these guys are doing great. So the guy, the doctor said to me, get your wife, get you a little bracelet, a titanium bracelet. So, Laura ordered me this little titanium bracelet, and I put it on, I wear it around the house, and we're going to see if anything happens. I mean, if it starts giving me trouble, then I'll know i got a problem with titanium, right? Well, just stick around. You'll hear more about this, okay? Well, Because that's really the important thing. That's why you're here today, right? Point is, hey, if you can kneel kneel. I mean, I've heard people say, I got on my face before God and I pray. It's a posture of submission. And then Jesus assures us that God's not as interested in our little kingdoms as we like to think that he is, but he is interested in what he says is important. And that's where we start. We start with him, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven it's not just my family and my relationships and my resources and my community it's about you know what god wants to do through me here on earth and in heaven and then here's the thing until our wills are surrendered we are users we're consumers we're just asking god to take care of our wish list all the time and then we quit praying because god didn't answer our prayers when that happens right and and then we say I, I prayed to God, I told him it was a legitimate prayer. He didn't answer my prayer the way I warned Him to. So God doesn't answer prayer or God doesn't care about me and something's there. But you know it's really not when when, when we pray and we think God didn't answer our prayer, it's really not a commentary about God. It's really about our view of God. It's really the way we look at God. It's really we see Him as a favor distributor. We see him as a divine healer. We see him as a lifeguard. And so, what happens is we pray prayers of desperation. You know, we're saying, Help me, save me, rescue me. And what happens there is that we don't start out the day in a posture of submission. Have you ever done something without praying about it before you did it? And then, what happened? You got in trouble. And then you were forced to go back to God, and it was one of those help me, save me, rescue me prayers, right? And and does God hear those prayers? Yeah, he hears them, but what he'd prefer is for us to transition so that we start off in the right way and we avoid getting into that mess to begin with. You often hear that prayer changes things. You ever heard that? Prayer changes things. Well, let me tell you something. It does change things. But you know the most important thing prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. Did you know that God puts stuff on our hearts to pray so that we can pray so that he can answer our prayers? Prayer actually starts with God, but we got to be listening. We got to be tuned in we got to be ready and willing to hear what he's saying, and then we've got to be willing to respond and to pray about that. And then God does respond to us, and prayer changes us. Jesus submitted to God's will. You know, he said, I could have called down 12 legions of angels. I could have called down 72,000 angels to rescue me. You think that would get the job done? Hey, I think one would take care of it, don't you? 72,000. He said, hey, listen, I could, but he said, I had to do it. I had to go to the cross so that God's will would be fulfilled, so that Scripture would be fulfilled. So I have a suggestion between now and the next time we meet, let's talk about prayer. And this week, let's let's try to get alone and pray Jesus' way. Let's get alone. Let's get in a place where we're undistracted. We can be informal. It can be short if we need it to be. We can begin by addressing God as Father. We can reflect on His greatness and His goodness and His closeness, that He's infinite and yet He's intimate. And then we can tell Him, hey, it's about your deal, your agenda, your kingdom. In fact, we can pray what He taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done right now. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for that. And if you're not quite ready to say your will be done, then talk to God about that and ask him why. Do you know why we hesitate to pray that prayer? Fear. It's fear. It comes from the enemy and he's a liar and so he makes us afraid. And be careful what you ask God. I mean, you know, he might ask you to do something. And so we're afraid. We're afraid of losing something. We're afraid of having to give something up. We're afraid of having to give somebody up. We have a fear of being left out. So what do we do? Well, the first thing we have to do is acknowledge that. That's progress. And then say, now, Lord, help me get over this fear. Why would I be afraid to ask God, your will be done? I mean, he's going to hurt me. And then we can honestly pray that. And if I'm struggling with it, then help me to get beyond that and move forward to that so that I surrender my will to his. And we're going to pick up there again next week. Next time we look at grown-up prayers. And I want you just to think this week as you're praying you know, am I just praying a prayer that I memorized as a child? or Have I got some grown-up prayers going on here? I mean, am I growing in my spiritual life to a point where I, I'm praying in a different way than I used to? If I'm not, then ask God, hey, would you help me do that? Would you take me where I am and take me where I need to be? And just, you know, because God loves us the way we are. He just loves us too much to leave us there. And so he says, hey, listen, just just keep working at it. And you can just talk to him. Don't worry about failure. Just go ahead and pray. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for preserving these powerful words for us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us courage to follow through. And Father, for the man or the woman or the single or the high school student who's here today, the idea of praying your will be done scares them to death. I pray that they would just stay in prayer with you until they get beyond that. Help them to move beyond that in such a way that that you can just bless them. And more importantly, I pray that they would discover that you can be trusted. And all we need to do is submit. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said. Amen. Now listen, today...